It's always a privilege to preach this church. Amen? Am I a little bit? I'll go down here a little bit. Okay. Um, let's talk about the winning of a soul tonight. Go to Proverbs for me. Proverbs chapter 11. One thing about a church, especially an independent Baptist church, is we need to be all, always concerned about souls. That is our focus. Proverbs 11, the Bible says, in verse 30, says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. Now listen, we, we don't, you know, we, we probably, also go to 1 Corinthians if you could. You know, uh, winning souls, I remember how I got saved, and it was a process. It wasn't just one time it was explained to me. It was over and over and over again. And it was, it was constantly, I was in New York City, and it was constantly getting, getting gospel tracts in my hand, reading them, and at first I would just read them very, very flippantly, but then I, as the more I, as the more as God's word took root in my heart, the more it became real for me. And it was like God was just using the Holy Spirit to put that puzzle together in my heart. And God was very, very patient with me, just like he is with you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says this, verse 4, for while one said, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. When someone has the privilege of leading someone to Christ, it's not them, it's the Lord drawing them. It's the work that God does. We are, we are the ones that are privileged to be able to do that. The winning of a soul. It is the purpose of our existence. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, if you ask a, a Calvinist, what is the, what is the purpose of being here? They go, they'll, they'll show you Revelation chapter 4. And they'll say to you that the purpose for, the, for us being here is that we bring glory to God. But you can't bring glory to God unless you're concerned about souls. Uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. But if you're not concerned about souls, the mind of Christ, not concerned about things the Lord is concerned with, you are fooling yourself. The purpose of our existence is so we could tell others about Christ. It's the greatest privilege we have as Christians. There's no greater privilege than you opening your mouth and telling people about the love of Calvary. No greater privilege. And there never will be. If you truly are a Christ follower, you will naturally care for souls. Let me tell you why. Because it's the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, if you could. Philippians chapter 2.
And the reason, the reason I preach a message like this is so it's just encouragement, just to get back out there. Not to quit on souls. Because we are the only light in this part of the world. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But what kind of mind is this? It says over there in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but loneliness in mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Let every let not every man uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on things of others. Talking about a focus that's outwards, a um, because without the gospel going forth, that soul will perish. Ezekiel chapter eighteen verse four says, "The soul that's in it, it will die." And listen, we're around people. Every person that God brings into my life is designed by God to conform me to Christ. And sometimes God brings you in a person who's been worked on. A person that all you have to do is open your mouth and that person might respond. Uh, in, I, I work part-time. In, in, in recent months, there's been this guy who started work with me and he, he, he believes in evolution. He believes in all that. But you know, as soon as I start talking to him, and telling him, challenging him, I can see him backing away from evolution already. So he's been worked on already. I'm just there to help him to put the puzzle together. Amen? Because the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. Let me show you uh, Galatians. When Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is something supernatural. Galatians 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's nine characteristics of the one fruit. But that, that love that is the first mentioned there is a supernatural love. It's the same love that Christ had when he went to Calvary. Amen? The same kind of love. And we have that as Christians. We have that love. We need to be, the, the, we need to share it with this world. In 2 Corinthians as well, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, trust this, not me. I learned that a long time ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says this uh, in verse 14, For the love of Christ constrained us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The idea of constraining is to compel. Amen? And the love of Christ just moves you along. It compels you to open your mouth. Amen? It's the love of Christ. Uh, you can't be a Christian walking in the fruit of the Spirit and not open your mouth. You cannot be a Christian. You have to, uh, you know, some people get this idea that it's only the pastor that's supposed to uh, be a soul winner. That it's only, it's only though the, the inner core group that's supposed to be a soul winner. It's every single one of you needs to be a soul winner. And you know what? One day you'll stand before, you'll stand before your Lord and you'll have to give an account. 
And you need to understand that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Every one of us needs to be a soul winner. Every single one of us. It's the privilege we have of opening our mouths. You know, the angels, they, 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 they can't soul win, but humans can. Those who are believers in Christ, we can open our mouths. And listen, if everybody just determined to open their mouths and tell people about Jesus Christ, no matter what embarrassment, no matter what, no matter what was, was the, the consequence, uh, we would see people getting saved again. Most Christians never experience the joy of telling others. You know, there's joy in telling people about Jesus Christ. There's a joy of just seeing the, the blindness. Because that's what it is. It's blindness. I remember before I got saved, I remember uh, flicking through a radio station, uh, just looking for something that was different than the world. I was looking for something. And I came across this old preacher, and uh, I believe it was James Vernon McGee. And he was preaching on the verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded their minds, lest the glorious, Christ, lest the glorious uh, gospel of Christ with the image of God should shine unto them. And I, I remember thinking, as an unsaved man, that's right. There's blindness there. And for every unsaved person out there, they're blind. They cannot see. That's why we've got to be the one to open their eyes through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit. They live lives of self-centeredness, most Christians. Uh, they're so caught up in their own lives to forget about the lost and dying worlds. You know, you will, you will be the most unhappy Christian if you focus on yourself. You know what a teenager does today? They focus on themselves. And they become very unhappy because they just focus on self. But if you get your focus off of yourself and you focus on a lost and dying world, you will be very uh, humbled to realize that God is doing a work in their, in their lives. As such, we miss the blessings of real joy. Let me show you Romans 10. You know, when you, and it's, it's difficult at times, I realize that, but when you get out in the doors and you tell people about Jesus Christ, there's a joy that comes with us. I want you to understand that. The Bible says in Romans 10, in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For then... Uh, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how, and how shall they preach except they, they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, when you're out there and you're, you're telling people about Jesus Christ, and I know it's embarrassing. I know it's at times you knock on the door and you're like, I don't feel a, I don't feel like doing this today. I just don't feel. I feel like crawling into a, you know, a cave and just hiding myself. But sometimes you don't feel like soul winning. But feeling has to be replaced by faith. Because faith is the victory that overcome at the world. So you've got to get those feelings. And you've got to say, okay, I need to be obedient unto my heaven, heavenly calling. Amen. Uh, let me show you John chapter 4 now. That's where we'll be today. John chapter 4. In this portion of John chapter 4, I want you to understand something very, very special has happened. This Samaritan woman has come to know Jesus as her Savior. And Jesus, in this portion of Scripture, is the soul winner. And, you know, the Bible says, when the disciples come to Jesus and they're wondering about, in verse 29, chapter 4, 
The woman says, come see a man which told me all, all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then he says, uh, in, uh, in verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that he know not of. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the joy of seeing a soul come to Christ. There, there's meat to eat. You're, you're not going to be concerned about food. You're not going to be concerned about your belly. You, you, the joy in your heart of seeing coming, of seeing someone come to Christ, it takes away your appetite. Amen? Most Christians will never grow to maturity because they always have an internal focus. Internal focus. You know, that, that's what, that's why most religions die. That's why Calvinism will never grow because it has an internal focus. Uh, Jesus teaches us to put others before self. Philippians chapter 2 talks about that. Joy is spelled Jesus, others, and yourself. That means you last. Amen? And if you could apply that principle to your life, you'll be a lot happier Christian. It is joy that is your strength in Nehemiah. Let me learn, let's learn today about them from the master himself in John chapter 4. I want to like, uh, show you four things that I want you to draw from this. Let's just read John chapter 4. And starting in verse, I want to skip some of this because of time. But starting in verse 4, great verse of scripture. Jesus says this, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about eleven or twelve. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou has that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Is that said thou truly? The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our father worshipped in this mountain. And he say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither uh, in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what uh, we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, 
when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now that is the story of the Samaritan woman, and I want you to get four things from this portion of Scripture. The first thing I want you to see is just the background here. This is uh, Samaria, and the Jews of Samaria were hated because during the Assyrian captivity, they were taken captive in 722 BC, and they never returned after that captivity. So they were like a Mongol type of Jew, and the normal Jew hated them, and you'll see that in the scripture, but Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. So instead of going around Samaria, the normal Jew would do, Jesus said, I'm going to Samaria. I'm going, I needs go through because there was a woman there who needed salvation. Let me show you the woman in verse 7. The woman here, the Bible says in verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Just one woman. Just another woman in this world on the outside, but to God a precious eternal soul. A woman weary from the toil of of labor, thinking of the labor of drawing water from the well each and every day. Think of the consistently uh, pattern of uh, what she was doing. She came a certain time to the well, between 11 and 12 on the sixth hour, uh, she being a woman of bad reputation among the locals, and we see that in the scripture, uh, she had five husbands. A woman so used to the struggles of life, a woman blinded by thinking that is all there is. You know, it's tragic when a person in this life comes to the situation and thinks that is all there is. There's just this religion, uh, this religion is all there is, and there's nothing more, and they forget that how much God loves them. They forget how much God cares. Uh, they close their minds. And it's tragic because usually the older a person gets, the more they close their minds. That's why we got to reach people. A woman that was someone's daughter that made some bad choices in this life. I knew of um, where I work. I knew of this, you know, I knew of this person. Uh, he was a salesperson during the Celtic Tiger. And he was work up with me in the place I work, part-time. And during the Celtic Tiger, he had his own uh, his own company car. He had his own... I mean, he had, he had a, a very pleasurable lifestyle. He had everything. And uh, two years later, I was... I went into work, and my boss called me aside. He said, do you hear about such and such a guy? He was, he was on primetime last night. He's homeless in Dublin. What I'm trying to say to you is, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And sometimes a bad, some bad choices in this life. This guy got into, he split from his, his family, from his wife. Uh, he got into a bit of a gambling debt. He found himself homeless from being a successful salesperson. And what I'm trying to say to you is, you can't judge people, uh, to, to, uh, too much, because sometimes we might be there one day ourselves. we got to be careful. Uh, we look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. A woman that never knew what real love was. Do you know why most people never come? I mean, we we bring the greatest message known 
known to man. We we bring a message of the love of Calvary, of how the memory verse we're memorizing down in Carrigaline right now is John 15, verse 13. Greater love had no man to lay down his life for his friends. We bring the greatest message, love story ever told, yet most people cannot see it because they're blind. They've never experienced the love of Calvary. They've never experienced a love that's unconditional and it is a supernatural love. They've never experienced it. We have, we're the ones that have, to, that have to show them that kind of love. A love of Calvary. A woman ruined by a world that didn't care. Amen? Uh, a woman in need of a savior. The woman here is just one single soul. But that soul is precious. Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria because there was this one woman he knew that would come to that well and that woman's, that woman, her soul was eternally precious to God. A woman. The well, verse 6. The well in verse 6. Now Jake's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. You know, Jesus gets weary. Jesus is very patiently waiting for this woman. A well, the well is always deep. Let me show you Psalm 64. When you deal with people, you realize you're dealing with people and it is, it is a, a the, those, the hearts that they have are deep, just like that well. Psalms 64 and verse 6 says, they search out iniquity, they accomplish a diligent search, both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. The heart goes deep. The issues of the heart are deep. And when you're talking to people, you're, you're talking to them and there's a, there's a depth there. Also, Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. In verse 5, the Bible says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That is the soul winner. Amen? And sometimes you're, you're talking to people and sometimes they'll bring up stuff and they'll go off, t- uh, off the, 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 the subject. But you've got to listen to them because they're, they're, they're crying out to you sometimes. The well is always deep. Every problem that I face is a heart problem. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep the heart with all diligence for out of the issues of life. Uh, she had a heart that was full of guilt. This woman had a heart that was full of guilt, and she was at, at the point where she was resigned to the failure of her, her life. She had a past that was constantly reminded of her failures. Uh, she had, uh, you know, psychology deals with the mind. Uh, the Word of God deals with the heart. It's the Word of God that deals with the heart. Let me show you Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I love the scripture. Hebrews 4, in verse 12. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick, that means alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner 
of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then it goes, says, neither does, is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The word of God knows us. Amen. And it's the, the word of God that deals with the heart. That's why Jesus, the word, the word made flesh is talking to her and, uh, she had become resigned to a life of shame. The well was a daily struggle, carrying the water pots back and forth, uh, making sure there was, there was, she was there at a certain time of the day, enduring the heat of the day and carrying those water pots, uh, resigned to a life of regret. That, that's the way this world is. You know, I was looking at a scripture uh, today. Go to Proverbs for me for a second. Proverbs chapter 14. You know, a lot of times what you see with people is you see this outward expression. You see their their outward self. But the Bible says in Proverbs 14 and verse 13 says this. It says, even in laughter the heart is sorrowful. You see that? And the end of mirth is heaviness. A lot of times people are laughing on the outside, but they're crying on the inside. Because uh, man was not designed, we are not designed to live without Christ. And the, the human, the natural man, is not designed to walk around this planet without the Savior inside of them. It's just not the design. And uh, there's a void, there's an emptiness that cannot be reached until Christ becomes their Lord. The well is always deep. Then there's the soul winner, verse 3. Uh, John chapter 4 again. There is the soul winner. Aren't you glad for the, for, for the example of the, the ultimate soul winner, Jesus Christ? Verse 3 says, though Jesus himself, oh no, verse 3 says, he, he left Judea, Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. The soul winner, Jesus. Jesus, the ultimate soul winner. He is ever patient. He waits for this woman at the well. He uses circumstances to start a conversation. He doesn't just jump into it. He uses the circumstances around him. He's not afraid of what other, what other people think. Listen, when you uh, go door to door, when you try to reach people for Christ, when you open your mouth, you gotta you gotta understand that they, the fear of man will keep you from speaking at times. The number one reason why believers never tell others is because of the fear of men. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of men bringeth a snare, but whoso put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man is something that will torment you because you will, you will buckle under the pressure. Satan uses the fear of man to cripple us. Let me show you 1 John. 1 John. We gotta be able to open our mouths. You know, if we could look at look from a heavenly perspective and understand just how short a time we probably have. I mean, Jesus can come back at any moment. I believe we're living in the last days of the last and Jesus could come back at any moment. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear had torment. He that feared is not being perfect in love. 
The only, the only person, the only being you should fear is God. Amen? The fear of the Lord is clean. But all those other fears, the fear of man, the fear of different things like that, that will only crush your belief. Satan uses fear to cripple us. Jesus is a true friend. He tells it like it is. You know, when you interrupt people's life and you tell them, listen, uh, do you know today, if you were to die, and then they sometimes they laugh at you, but if you say to someone, do you know this very moment, if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And they don't have a clue. They're clueless. And there's probably someone in this room that is clueless, clueless about that as well. There's probably someone here who doesn't know the Lord as their Savior. And the, the, the Word of God teaches people to understand Jesus is a true friend. He tells it the way it is. The water from the well is going is not going to last. This life is not going to last. Life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it's gone. Amen? It's, uh, the Bible says, boast not thyself on tomorrow. You don't know what a day is going to bring forth. Uh, then, he, then Jesus says to her in verse 16, go call thy husband. There's the sin question that needs to be answered. Uh, he makes her feel the guilt and sin so that she can be be, uh, be be forgiven. He's hard enough on her to face her past, yet he's gentle enough not to break her. Because this woman is already broken. She's already at that point. It's the Word of God should break us. It's the Holy Spirit that should break us. Amen? It's not the messenger. We just deliver the message. That is the balance we need. Let me show you Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. When you go... And you tell people about Christ. The most important thing is you need to be led of the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, because you don't know their circumstances. You're looking into their eyes. You don't know what past they have. So the best thing to, to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Everywhere Jesus uh, went, he was led of the, of the Spirit. And the reason he went to the, the, the woman at, at Samaria is because he was led of the Spirit. And also, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20, a bruised reed shall he not break? A smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment into victory. Now, a bruised reed. The, the Savior was gentle enough on her to not to crush her. Now, with the Pharisees, he, Pharisees, he was different. And Matthew 23 said, he brood of vipers. He called them hypocrites. He said, you're, you're beautiful on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. So Jesus, when he approached different people, he was different. But when he came to this woman, he was very, very careful not to necessarily uh, break her. Because she knew, he knew she was a woman that was broken already. The soul winner, Jesus Christ. And then the living water, verse 10. Back to John chapter 4, the living water. Now, the living water is what this world needs. That's why the Word of God is so important. You know, when I got saved, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, it was the Word of God that opened up my heart. 
It was the Word of God that got, got in there. A simple verse, like Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, was the verse that opened up my heart. I remember thinking, uh, I remember thinking, reading that verse, and many weeks later, having it still in my pocket, having the gospel leaflet still in my pocket, pulling it out and reading it again, and going, well, if if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I can, I can always try it. And I remember uh, backing into a wall, and the, the, the prayer, my, my ultimate prayer, my sincere prayer in my heart was, as an unsaved man, was God help. Uh, it was the 1st of October, 1992. The 2nd of October, 1992, I got saved. I remember thinking, if this verse is true, and that's what faith does. Faith, the Word of God gets in there. The, God's Word gets into my heart. And it was the Word of God that opened it up. And it was just realization. So I called out and said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll obey God. I will, I will call out to Him. And I said, God help. Next day, God brought a soul winner my way. And that was no accident. This was in New York City. Uh, this was in the Bronx. And God brought a soul winner my way. And I remember thinking, when, I was, when he gave the invitation of salvation, I remember thinking, okay, you're, gonna, you're a bigger hypocrite now if you walk away because you ask God to, you ask God to save your soul. You, you call upon the name of the Lord. And now you're, go, you're walking away from it. Yet, yet I... I still walked away from it, but that, that person followed me and confronted me. And that's how I got saved in New York City. And you know what? It was the living water that opened up my heart. It is the Word of God. Now, it's, it's, it's the living water. It's, it's a picture of salvation, but it's also a picture of the words. Let me show you John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And you know, after you get saved, it is still living water. Amen? John 7. And verse 38, the Bible says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen? Not dead water, living water. And it's the word of God that gets in there. You know how you grow as a Christian? It's the word of God that gets into you and it changes you from the inside. It's the word of God. You need God's words. Notice what it says about the words. It is quick and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It converts the soul. Psalms 119 verse 7. It is compared to fire that spreads and a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces in Jeremiah 23 9. Just the word of God getting in there. The power of God's words. It's a living book and it does a work. We are the messenger to bring the word. Amen? We're the messenger. It will not, it will not return void. Go to Isaiah 55 please. Isaiah 55. You know, um, several weeks ago, several weeks ago I went out door knocking and I um, knocked on this person's door and the phone rang. So forgot that I knocked on the door, so I answered the phone. And the woman came out, this girl, young girl came out there I was on my phone, and I'm, th- I'm thinking to myself, this is not a good, a good witness. There I am on my phone. But the Lord reminded me of this verse. Because you know what? When she closed the door, she, had a, she took a leaflet in her hands. 
And God reminds us of this verse that, you know what? Even though we don't do it, we all, we, we don't do it all the way we should all the time. Sometimes we mess up. At least we try. And you know what? If she took a leaflet into her house, that leaflet will sit on someone's table. And maybe someone else will pick it up. Because the promise from God's word is, in Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, says this, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me voice, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I send it. God's words. Getting a leaflet into someone's hands. Listen, sometimes all you need to say is, here's something to read. I mean, simple as that. You know, you stop in the, in the, the tolls or you're, you're you know, uh, in, in the, uh, can't even, the, the motorway. You can just give someone a leaflet. People will read it. I mean, they're, 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 they're sitting there all day. They're going to read something. So sometimes it's just saying, here's a leaflet. Just say, get God's word in someone's hands. Because the Bible says here, God's word will not return void. Is the Holy Spirit that will empower the words. The Holy Spirit of God. With simplicity and plainness of speech. With no confidence in this flesh. Amen? Sometimes we, we learn and we try to be the best soul winner we possibly can be. But something, sometimes it's just having a burden for souls. And just, uh, just being able to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Amen? The Holy Spirit wants to show you. With a burden for lost souls. When you look into the eyes of their soul. You know, uh, let me show you Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 talks about the fact that when you talk to people, in verse 22, the Bible says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. You know, when you look into someone's eyes, you're looking into their souls. You're looking at an eternal soul. And by getting God's words, by just being a messenger and presenting God's word as plain as simple as you can. You know, it's not, it's not about knowing a ton of scripture. It's not about being articulate. It's about just getting it out there. And sometimes, you know what? When I, when I was witness to in New York City, and when I was talking to this guy named Philip Campbell, I'll always remember it. This was the guy that followed me down the street. And when I was, when I was listening to him, uh, when I was listening to him talk, he got me all confused. Cause he went back to the Old Testament and he started talking about the types in, in the Bible and the Lamb and all this. And it was, it was way over my head. But it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that I was dealing with. It wasn't this individual. And even though he he didn't give me the best presentation because he went too deep, it was the fact that the Holy Spirit was drawing me. And it was the fact that there was his voice, but there was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I knew the conviction that I, I felt was the fact that I was a sinner on the way to hell. And no, no messenger can give you that message, but the Holy Spirit can show you the need of salvation. And uh, it was, uh, it's so easy when the Lord shows you it. Let me give you a conclusion. The greatest privilege we have as Christians is to tell others. There's no greater privilege. Uh, most Christians are crippled by fear when it comes to sharing their faith. 
they're crippled. Uh, fear, because a lot of times fear is based on feeling. We don't feel spiritual. We don't feel like we're, we're up to the job of soul winning. But we have a duty for lost and dying worlds. Amen? There's a duty there. After the woman has been to- uh, touched by Jesus, she, you couldn't shut her up. I remember after I got saved, all, all I could do was run. All I could do was run because I probably couldn't run that, that much today. I ran about three to four miles, just ran, uh, excited about being saved. I knew God had, whatever, whatever was out there, God had, God had given me salvation. That's all I knew. I didn't know, I didn't even know I was born again. I learned that a couple of days later. I realized, I'm one of those born again Christians now. I didn't even know that. Because I read about born again Christians. I read about, uh, this thing called born again and how this world seemed to hate it. Then I realized I was one of them. But this woman was touched. You know, when, when you recall the day that you got saved, when you call the very, very moment when you made a choice and trusted Jesus as your Savior, when you open up the door of your heart, when you realize just what it was, then you realize that for us to, for us to actually do that to those around, to touch someone's life is, is precious. It is the evidence of the Holy Spirit being filled. Uh, the mind of Christ is having the outward focus. The story of the Samaritan woman is about the value of a lost soul. Just one lost soul. And it's all about just the one. The woman, ruined by a world that had trodden all over her. The well, just like the heart of the issues, go deep. Uh, the, the well is going to dry up. The soul winner, someone that really cares. See, when you interrupt someone's life, and you tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, even though, and I, I get all kinds of looks. I mean, I get those looks like you open the door and you, you realize in the first two seconds, you realize if this person is interested or not, they'll, they'll, they'll give you that look. There's a certain look that they give you that you'll only experience when you go door knocking. And you'll know right away if that person is open. But the soul winner really cares. Really cares. The living water is the only hope for a thirsty soul. And listen, you know, it's the, it's the living water that changes a life. It's the living water of God's Word that gets into the heart and helps us to understand our needs. The greatest need today is to have the same burden. Let me show you Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Father says in verse 17, And the Spirit... And the bride say, come, and let him that hear it say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I like the gospel of whosoever will. Amen? For every creature, for every individual. There could be someone in this room tonight. You don't know where you're going. You think you do, but you've never truly been born again. And it's very, very possible. Uh, only you can... Understand your own heart. But the thing about it is, is, is the Word of God gets deep in there, where the greatest need today is to be a soul winner. Uh, just to have a burden for lost souls. It's not, it's not, shouldn't be complicated, should be just something we, we naturally do. Because that's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is all about seeking to save that which was lost. And that's where we need to be. Having a burden for lost souls, having an outward focus, 
to a world that's lost and dying all around us. You go, you go to the shop, you go anywhere you go, you see people, you see souls that are eternal, and one day they're only, they're only going to spend an eternity either in heaven or hell. Every time you see a hearse, you should get that understanding that, I wonder was that person saved? I wonder did that person ever know Jesus Christ? I wonder did anyone ever tell that person about the Savior? And that's where we need to be. Have a burden for lost souls. Just like Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Let's stand if we could. Father, we thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for loving us. And we thank you that we can have fellowship and we can edify ourselves and build ourselves up. But Lord, the job isn't done until we reach out into that world. Until, you know, uh, Lord, we can preach all we want about souls. Well, unless we do it, we're, we're hypocrites. Because it's all talk but no action. Lord, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that there's churches like this that want to reach this world. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would put a burden on our hearts. Put a supernatural burden in our hearts just to reach people. Just to reach our, our co-workers, those around us, to open our mouths. And I don't, I don't care, Lord, what challenge we face, that we would just be able to just be a messenger for the Savior this week. I thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving our souls. And thank you for all you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.